Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we discuss the return of the European Tour and hear from Lee Westwood on his 30 plus year relationship with Ping. Hey guys, it's Brooks Kepka. Uh, I just wanted to welcome you guys to the Golf Monthly Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark and this week again I am joined by Elliot Heath and Sam Tremlett. How are you doing, Elliot? Hi Tom. Yeah, good, thank you. You alright? Yes, just about hanging on in there. Good, good. You been playing any golf? Yeah, I played at the weekend. Um, Come on, details. Uh, played against my mate, lost on the 18th hole. Had a really nice competitive match, got the competitive juices flowing again, and yeah, it's good. Game's still not there, but the weather was gorgeous. Not like you to choke on the 18th, is it? Um, <laughs> I, I did as well. I basically hit the ball out of bounds into a bush line in the out of bounds on the left. How many matches is that you've lost in a row now? How many? Uh, at least two. Have you won? <laughs> no, sorry. Have you won since? Since lockdown finished. <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah, I've played three times, played three singles match play games and lost all three. <laughs> Consistent. Consistent and nothing else. Um, Sam, how are you? I'm very good. Yeah, still haven't played golf, I'm afraid, but yeah, getting through it. I, um, I also haven't played golf yet, but I do have a game now um, provisionally booked in for this Friday, which I'm quite looking forward to. Um, yeah, that's big news. That is Big monster news. I've actually got quite a bit of golf coming up. I've got, I think, three rounds in the next 10 days. So, wow. I mean, I'll be I'll be playing off scratch by, you know, a couple of weeks. Are you nervous for that first shot? Because speaking no, no more myself, than I, de- I definitely am. <laughs> no more than usual, uh, Sam, to be honest with you. And I pick every horrendous shot possible. If you think there's a horrendous shot off a first tee, I've hit it or not hit it. I've done everything. Once you've had as many bad experiences as I have had off the first tee of any golf course, it's kind of all blurs into. You don't really you're care. Not, you're not surprised at anything. You just. Yeah. Have, yeah I, so you... have I sliced it out of bounds? Yes. Have I hooked it out of bounds? Yes. Have I hit it into water? Yes. Have I had an air shot? <laughs> Probably. Uh, have I, have I hit anybody? No, but I'm big, probably come close to it. <laughs> so, have you hit the starter's hut as well? I haven't hit the starter's hut. I, I, I missed the starter's hut. The story is that I did hit the starter's hut, but that's a lie. Uh, <laughs> oh, fake news. Have, have so, you managed to hit the ball through your legs? Because I've seen somebody do that before on the first tee. No, I don't think I have done that, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't think I've got a good enough swing to do that. <laughs> I think you've got to have a little bit of talent to be able to hit it through your legs. No, so it should be interesting. Could you say there's a car park in play off the first? Oh, yeah, you had to put that in there. There's a car park about 150 yards on the right. 100, 150 yards on the right. So, uh, yeah, in play. I mean, it's not usually in play for my shot shape. I was going to say, if it's on the left, then... Yeah, if I was on the left, I'd be really struggling. So, um... No, so I'm looking forward, yeah, looking forward to it. I'm playing, playing with my brother, and I think there's a few few others as well because we can now play four balls, obviously. So, which we'll come on to later. But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it, and I've got I've got a yeah a couple of golf days happening. So, fingers crossed we can get some golf playing. But golf is in a good place at the moment with lots of 
stuff happening and, and announcements being made. Um, and one, I think, huge announcement happened last week, and that was news on the return of the European Tour. Can everyone remember what the European Tour is? It's been so long since there's been an event. Uh, but it's a very special announcement because uh, to try and get around travel restrictions and lockdown restrictions, the European Tour announced a six-event UK swing starting at the end of July and going through to the end of August. So six events being played at five different host courses all around the UK, England and Wales, that is, including Close House, Forest of Arden, Hanbury Manor, Celtic Manor and the Belfry. Great news, yeah? Yeah, really good. I didn't expect there to be six from the reports we've heard from those who knew sources. So, yeah, really good. All got €1 million Euro prize funds, which, you know, I guess we expected. Uh, but really excited to to see these scores. I mean, I've never played Hanbury Manor, to be fair. I've never played Forest of Arden either, so I'm looking forward to seeing those. Obviously, they've both got really good history with the tour. And it's great to see the English Open back as well for the first time in something like 18 years. I mean, I, I, I do love... the thing. I, one of the things I most liked is how many times they had to work on what to call the tournaments. So we've got the British Masters, the English Open, the English Championship, the Celtic <laughs> Classic, the Wales Open, and the UK Championship. Um, I mean, it's they, they've got some names out there, but they were probably running out by the end of it. It, but, sounds, uh, it sounds like uh, like a video game, doesn't it? Like the, to get around uh, copyright and stuff, they've called them yeah. uh, just like the UK <laughs> Championship and the Wales Open, all this kind of stuff. It's yeah, it's to great me, it to sounds like a uh, like a snooker tour. Yeah, <laughs> I think the uh, yeah, yeah I think they they looked at a few other sports to work out what they were going to call it, but uh, I think it's brilliant and it's brilliant for these the host courses which some of these haven't had a, a big tournament for for a while. I'm particularly excited about seeing the Belfry again. Um, we played Belfry. Were you there, Elliot, when we played the Belfry a few years ago? No, I was on holiday that week. Annoying. Oh, <laughs> dreadful timing from Elliot. Um, and yeah, the Belfry, it's, it's, it's a nice place. I mean, the golf course, some people like it, some people don't like it, but it's usually quite exciting. And I think it'd be great just to see the place again and with a route of history that obviously has happened, happened there over the years. And yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic to see some of these other places, which not a lot of people will see. And it's a great, it's a great chance for, for these courses to showcase themselves to a big sporting audience. Yeah, so there won't be an audience on site, will there? Obviously, for for understandable reasons, but uh, you know it's fulfilling the Sky contract, which should hopefully keep the European Tour ticking along. And I really like the news last week or the reports last week that the players might be wearing microphones in the featured groups, so that mm. should make for some really great telly as well. Yeah, yeah, we we saw from the the kind of the Tiger and Phil match that there's some good interactions between the players and that and it's and to get some good insight and I think we've seen from some other sports as well which have used microphones to their advantage where actually they get some really great insight as players are actually playing for in professional events for their their mindset and also some some technique advice as well so um, this is a good opportunity for golf and it's a good opportunity for for UK golf which is just great because if you think back a couple of months we've all very much doom and gloom and not sure how golf was going to survive after this period. Um, in actual fact, golf's flourishing. We've seen news of 
of uh, memberships being up at local clubs. Uh, more people are trying to go out and get a tee time because golf you can actually play compared to some other sports. Great opportunity for, for golf, isn't it? It's great to see like people being so active about it rather than being all oh, doom and gloom or we can't do anything, all this kind of stuff. It's great to see at the European Tour and like just any, uh, a lot of golf clubs I've seen that they've been really proactive in looking at how we can solve the problem. Yeah, it's just great to see, to be honest. And uh, I mean, this six-week swing is going to be fantastic, I think. Yeah, also there were reports as well that this is before the announcement from people with sources that there could be similar swings taking place in Portugal and I think Austria as well later in the year. The Rolex series has also kind of been brought back as well. There's four events with the Scottish Open in October. I'm really excited to see the BMW PGA Championship being played this year. If anything, obviously it was in May, then it got moved to September. Now it's going to be in October. So that should be really interesting as well. Yeah, and, and people are gonna well, a lot of people will remember seeing Octo- uh, seeing Wentworth sorry in October in that those autumn colours because of all the the world match play events that used to happen at Wentworth around that time of year and people actually fell in love with Wentworth because of that. So I think it's great that Wentworth is is still going to be hopefully happening this year, uh, and it's at a time of year well, actually sometimes in 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 England in recent years. The weather's been best in September and October than sometimes in the summer. So it's great that those those events are, are still on the calendar. Um, the DP World Tour, the end of the season, is actually going to be at the end of the year. It's almost going to be Christmas by, by the time that they're in Dubai. That's along with, what else is it? A Ned Bank, Bank yeah. South Africa, both being played in December, which means that there's a, a, a big gap for the Masters in November. But as, as you mentioned there earlier, there is actually some big gaps still on the European Tour schedule, which we don't know if they're going to be filled at all or whether they're going to be filled again by some of these, by maybe a, a six-week tour or four-week tour in, in a country. But there is some spaces there to be to be had. And there's some tournaments which have been taken off the road to which we would think that will, will appear again. Um, but it's great the European Tour have got themselves in kind of... They've sorted themselves out where we've actually got something to look forward to now on the European Tour because we were a little bit worried about what was going on there. What are you most excited about now, about pro golf especially, coming up? For me, to be honest, yeah, I mean, you touched on it um, a few minutes ago. It's the, the mic'd up players. If that is introduced, I'm really excited to listen to what the interactions between the caddy and the player is going to be. So like those are the bits that I found the most interesting during the Tiger and Phil match and stuff. Well, they weren't caddies, but the way they were playing the shots and explaining the shots. So like those interactions are what I'm most excited for. I think that's kind of sad that I admit that, but <laughs> I mean, it's just any golf, to be honest, um, on, at the pro level. It's exciting. I'm really looking forward to the PGA Tour next week returning. That's uh, going to be a seriously strong field in Texas. One thing here, though, that you know, a lot of European Tour players will have the dilemma is that the USPJ Championship takes place in the third week of this new six-week swing. So all the European Tour guys in the world's top 50 will have a dilemma on their hands. Do they go and travel out to, was it San Francisco for the USPJ Championship? And then they've got the um, WGC FedEx St. Jude the week before. So might they miss all of them if they have to quarantine? I think Lee Westwood is going to be hosting the British Masters and missing the year's first major. So that's a a tough one for him to take. But yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if the likes of 
you know, Bernd Wiesberger, all these top 50 European tour guys, see, will they go and travel over and play in that first major or will they just decide to stick in the UK, play these six events and, you know, play their majors in September and November? Yeah, so it's I, worth mentioning I, I, that the players have a two-week quarantine to do when they travel over. So like Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick is a prime example. He went over to America early to do a two-week quarantine, and now he can play. So it's going to be interesting to see which players plan ahead um, in that regard. But also, we don't know how long those guidelines are going to be in, in play. So they may cut it down to one week, or who knows, they might... In America, I'm not sure um, the situation, it, what it's like out there, but they, I mean, the guidelines could change. So, I mean, watch this space, really. Yep, and I think you've touched on it uh, well there, guys, is that um, actually I think people are going to have to work out their schedule a bit further in advance than they usually would have. Um, I think actually a lot of the European tour players who maybe would have struggled to get in those majors and WGCs are just going to be very happy just to plonk themselves in the UK and then to see how well they play. I think that it's a bit tricky if you're around the uh, the world's top 50 slash top 75 or something like that. But we'll wait and see. I mean, the, the, I think a lot of people will actually just play in that UK run of events and see if they can qualify for the US Open and, and go from there, really. The end of September is very busy. US Open follow a week later by the Ryder Cup at the moment. So um, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But um, I think a lot of people are just going to be basing themselves in the UK for the moment. Uh, one person who you've already mentioned there, uh, Elliot, is Lee Westwood, who's obviously hosting the British Masters this year. And uh, we've got a bit of audio from Lee now. He's done a feature with us in the magazine and also a long-form video on YouTube as well, uh, all about his long relationship with Ping and how he stayed with them for 30 plus years. So have a little listen to Lee and uh, enjoy this audio. Okay, hi Lee, thanks for joining hi. us. So very kindly, it was the guys at Ping that have, um, have arranged this for us. So I want to talk about equipment through the, through the ages as it were. So right, if you look back right from the beginning, Lee, what, what were the early golf clubs you remember using when you first started out playing? Well, my first ever set of clubs weren't ping, um, obviously. I think like uh, most 11, 12-year-olds, I was, I was bought a set by my nan and granddad from a guy that my mum used to work with. It was a half set of uh, carry middle cuff, I think they were, maybe ladies' clubs. I can't even remember. They were a bit rusty, and I just took them down on the field, you know, and, and had, a, had a hack with them, really. And then from there, I got a set of swilking cavity back ladies clubs i tried to keep them nice and light and then and then i got and then mum and dad bought me a set of uh, pings um when i was sort of 13 years of age played well with them uh, won the carry championship and then um ping very kindly started lending me clubs so uh, you know, i've been with ping since about 87 1987. yeah it's definitely one of the the longest Kind of player brand relationships in the game isn't it how did it sort of start i mean how did ping i guess they've got people on the ground who are watching out for up-and-coming players and that how did it sort of all develop yeah and i was a bit a bit of an advantage living workshop with the ping factory in gainsborough you know it's only 20 25 minutes away from workshop so the pro at workshop golf club john king um he stopped a lot of ping equipment so i think the the local rep sort of been chatting to john's 
saying, I see you've got a good uh, junior golfer here. And uh, and he said, yeah. And then we sort of got in contact with each other and they took me down to the fitting centre at Ping. Uh, I got fitted there. Okay. And from those early years, I guess the, the, the sort of the formative years, you were starting to get noticed, develop through the system, get onto the kind of national teams and then turning pro. What are the, can you remember any specific models of clubs that you remember fondly during that period? Um, I used the, I would have been using the Ping I 2s back then. And I used those for oh, a good few years, steel ones. And then I was given a set of beryllium copper ones. Everybody wanted beryllium to spin the ball more, you know, with that box groove. I used to spin it off the greens. <laughs> it was never a great idea. Um, and then they changed the rules on the grooves. And, but I still had a set of brilliant coppers. And I went to the tour school with those and qualified at the tour school with that set. I think I played with Ping I2 brilliant coppers my first tournament on the tour. And then they brought out the Zing 2s, which I used for, for many a year. I must have used the Zing 2s right through until, you know, Probably winning the money list in 2000, I reckon. I reckon I must have had a Zing 2 for seven, seven or eight years, yeah. Were, were Ping not trying to get a new set of irons in, in your hands at that point? I think I was winning sort of seven or eight tournaments a year, so they, they thought better leave him <laughs> as he is. <laughs> what sort of involvement do you have in the clubs that Ping bring out to market? Are you, are you kind of somebody that's kind of involved in helping them to tweak designs, adding bits and bobs over here, taking things away. Is there, what's the sort of relationship on that part the side of things? No, I've, uh, I've always just trusted them and they've kind of gone there lately. There's a new driver, you know, we expect it up to you, see how it goes. If it goes well, if it goes as good, or if not better than the one, uh, the one I'm using, then I put it in. If it's not as good, then they're happy for me to use, you know, the ones that I use the, the G10 for many a year you know, when they were bringing out the other ones after that. So, uh, obviously, I think they'd like me to use the most current ones, and I do use the most current one at the moment because it's easily the best driver I've ever used. But, uh, you know, they first and foremost, they want me to play well. How do you treat that process of putting new equipment into play? Because, obviously, I presume there is a, a degree of pressure to kind of put the new stuff into play. But then I guess the onus is on them to show an improvement. So how, how does it work, actually going through the process of getting new stuff in play? Trial and error, really. You know, I'll use it away from tournament play, give it a go there, then maybe use it in practice rounds, and then the time comes when, you know, it's time to use it under the gun, really, on the golf course. Have you ever thought about putting any of the really old stuff back into play? Ever had a time where you, I don't know, maybe not hitting it quite as well and thought, I'll give this a go again? No, I mean, as good as modern technology is now, you'd be giving up too much to... I used a wooden driver the, uh, a couple of weeks back. We went out and just had a bit of a fun game. And I thought, oh, I'll take that wooden driver out because it's clearing the garage out. And uh, I hit it flush out of the middle. And I was playing with my son. And uh, he, he hit a high sky that went past where I did this flush with a wooden driver. So, uh, yeah, I mean, technology really is a, a big advantage nowadays. You've got such a, a massive sweet spot compared to, you know, they used to say, oh, he did that one out of the screws. Like when you caught one right out of the middle of the club face because there were screws in the in the club face and now i mean the surface area of a face that where the the, the the screws must must be is massive of the, the big equipment of the big technological improvements that have, have come into play which one do you think whether it's 
I don't know, larger headed drivers or more forgiveness in the irons, whatever it is. What, what do you think has made the biggest difference to your game? Uh, I think the ball and the driver has made the most significant difference to, to everybody's game. But I don't think it's made as big a difference to my game as, uh, as other people's games. I think it's been unfortunate that driver technology has come on so well that people who were great drivers of the golf ball with the old equipment are now at a disadvantage because you know, everybody's a great driver now. You've got such a, a big sweet spot that you don't have to take out the middle anymore. You, sometimes it goes further out, you know, high out the toe than it does out the middle. So, uh, you know, that is you know, one of my bugbears. People that were great putters years ago are still great putters now, and there's not really been that much improvement in putter technology, you know, significant improvement that you can see. It's changed a little bit, and but the, but the ball and the driver has made a massive improvement. When the guys from Ping come to you with new designs and ideas or stuff that you might want to put into play, how sort of open-minded are you about putting something a bit different in? Are you are you quite willing to give it a chance and give it a go? Or do you kind of know you like what you like and, and like to stick with what, what it is? No, I'm pretty open to trying different things. You know, if, if there's, uh, I think first and foremost, you have to like like it visually. If you're looking down at something and you don't like the look of it, then, you know, it's tough to make a change. But if you put something down and it looks good, you're halfway there, really. And then with me, say it's a driver, it's just a case of matching the shaft with the loft and, you know, how the club head performs and getting the weighting right in the head. And then, you know, I'm kind of off and running then. But I, I think, you know, we've been sort of a bit older than most of the lads out here, sort of old school. If I, I, I would determine how a club goes from, you know, how it feels and how the flight looks on the golf course. And whether it's, you know, I'm getting some run out of it and whether I can move it around left to right, right to left, uh, rather than the lads that stand on the range and look at trackman figures. And I still do that, but I, I work a lot more on ball flight. Okay. Yeah. Because that's because that's more realistic to what you're trying to do on the golf course. Yeah. I mean, it's no good standing on a range and the trackman figures being all brilliant and then getting on the first tee and, it, you know, not knowing which side of the golf course to aim. You know, our golf, our golf club performs on the, on the golf course. It's completely different to how it performs on the range when you're not having to aim down a fairway and hit a fairway. And Lee, what, what's your favourite club that you've got in the bag currently? Not really our favourites, to be honest. Not one that you uh, just think, uh, that'll, that'll be difficult for them to replace. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the driver that I've got at the moment, I love, you know, I, uh, you know that's matched really well. But, you know, I've got two or three that are very similar to that. And, you know, if you were to put them in my hand and, and, you know, me do a blind test, I wouldn't be able to pick out which one it was without sort of going on the golf course and seeing, you know, which one maybe it's only two or three yards in it. OK, interesting. Yeah. Uh, but the but the putter I've had in for a while, uh, I've chopped and changed my irons because airlines were having, getting into a habit of losing them. Uh, my clubs on the way to tournaments, so I've had to have new new sets of irons made. Uh, so I've got about three sets of irons on the go at the moment. I change my wedges regularly. Probably change my lob wedge four or five times a year just to keep the grooves fresh. Uh, I'm just breaking in another lob wedge now. I tend to use them for like two or three weeks and then start to break in a new lob wedge. Uh, you know, I keep them about six weeks. After three weeks, I start breaking another one. What, what, why do you break them in? Why don't you just get straight out with them? 
just because the, the the banks and and the way they perform can just change slightly. So I have to go through a few to find one I like. Okay, um, and what advice would you offer those of us who are thinking about going to get fitted? What sort of advice from somebody who's kind of just put new golf clubs into place so often over the years, albeit with one brand? What's a good piece of advice for people to have in mind when they're getting new clubs put in? Well. I mean, a, a lot of people say to me, you know, why don't you use a blade? Well, I use a, I've always used a cavity back, and a cavity back kind of gives you more forgiveness. So I've always believed that everybody needs as much forgiveness on a golf course as they can get. Everybody needs help. The shaft is vital when you're getting clubs fitted. So you've got to go to a good, good club fitter that gets the right shaft for you, that performs well for that head. Yeah. So, Lee, talk to us about the gold putters that you've got then. It's something that Ping do when, when a player... Yeah, loads of them. <laughs> Go on, explain, explain what it is that Ping do. So, um, when you win a tournament, we'll start with this one here. This was the first, um, this was the first but I actually bought this one. It's a Ping thing. It's a bit worn and shiny now. You can see how I wore, I wore the face down. And, and when you win a tournament on, the, on any tour, uh, Ping make a, a gold putter exactly the same. So I'm going to finish with a slightly cheeky question. So feel free not to answer if you don't want to. But do you, do you think you could have maybe earned a little bit more money had you have moved to a different brand at some point during your career, Lee? Um, you never know. And, you know, as, as you know, professional players, you get offered, you know, all sorts of different contracts when, uh, you know, you get to a certain level. When you're world number one, everybody wants to give you a set of golf clubs, want, want you to play their equipment. But when you... Choosing a set of clubs, it, it's not really about the money because you could change a set of clubs and you could go out and you might not play as well. So then you're not giving yourself the best chance of winning. When you start off playing golf, you, you don't say, you don't stand there as a 15-year-old kid and say, I want to earn a lot of money. You say, I want to win, I want to win golf tournaments and I want to win majors and I want to get to the be, be the best player in the world and I want to play Ryder Cups. You don't ever mention money. And, you know, a lot of people do make the mistake of changing contracts. And, you know, you see the game fall off because the equipment's not right for them. They've, they've kind of sold out for the cash. And, you know, that's the, been the great thing about working with Ping for 33 years. You know, we've got a, a good relationship. We're, we're loyal to each other. They stuck with me when I had a slump. And, um, you know, I've stuck with them kind of all the way through because I like dealing with the people at, at Ping. You know, they're a family company and... Uh, We've got a good relationship there and, you know, there aren't that many kinds of relationships in professional sport nowadays. It's a pretty mercenary place, professional sport nowadays. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Lee. I really appreciate that. That was great. Very interesting. No problem. Okay. My well, pleasure. Thanks, Lee. Um, enjoy the rest of lockdown. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Let's hope you'll get back out there soon, eh? Let's, uh, so for everybody, yeah, it's, it's brought home to me how much people enjoy watching sport. You know, never mind, you know, us as professionals playing sport, but, you know, people really miss it when it's not on the telly and, they, you know, they can't watch us play. It's a weird, isn't it, the weekend? Get to the weekend and there's yeah. nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. You can only, only watch so much escape to the country and location, 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 can't you? There you go. There's Lee Westwood uh, chatting away to us there. Some really insightful stuff. Anything that really stood out for you there, Elliot? Yeah, another great interview there on the podcast. Really enjoy Lee Westwood, um, British legend. I 
found what he said there about driving the golf ball fascinating and how his bugbear is just how big the sweet spots got these days and how, you know, there were um, only a handful of dri- good drivers back in the day and, and now pretty much everyone's a great driver. And how even he said that sometimes high toe shots go further than out the middle. So that just shows you how far technology's come, really. And as a, an old generation guy, he used to be a phenomenal driver of the ball, still is and always has been. But perhaps this new technology has helped guys start hitting it past him and, you know, equaling his force off the tee. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think you've got a, a good point there. And, and I mean, Westwood's always been a very strong long game player. And obviously, if, if there's any weakness in his game, it's always been maybe around his passing. But where is before he used to be, you know, what I'm going to be able to come in with uh, shorter, shorter irons than some players. Obviously, that gap seems to have uh, have decreased a bit so uh i'm so i hadn't ever heard of that that kind of thinking around it before so that's really i think that's amazing insight really from him yeah i love it when players are really honest like in interviews and like and comments because it's like it seemed like he was just saying things as they are basically and how he feels about them which i mean that's great to listen to to be honest so in other news if you live in scotland now you can now play golf which is very good news for all those great golf courses out there, but the, the guys up there who were probably looking at England and Wales and wishing that they could be a part of it, but they can play now. And also in England, as I touched on earlier, you, you're now allowed to play in three or four balls as well. And the game of golf is really just opening up and it's starting to look more and more like it did before lockdown, isn't it, Elliot? Yeah, I think that uh, competitions may be returning fairly soon. With this new announcement, obviously after the government said you can meet up to six people outside at a safe distance. Yeah, the, the guidance from England Golf is actually that golf clubs can now play competitions if they if they work out how to do it in a in a certain way and obviously a socially responsible way. Um, so yeah, things are really opening up. Yeah, unfortunately for me and my club, uh, our four ball knockout match play competition was cancelled and I was in the second or third round of that so yeah probably could have carried on now you, you oh. would have, you would have you would have choked in the semi-finals anyway <laughs> you're, you're on uh, that losing streak so I'm not sure it makes much difference to us but yeah so I've got four ball booked for Sunday my first four ball in best part of three months I'm really looking forward to that because obviously I keep losing my singles matches um, <laughs> but uh, yeah there's a lot of talk about People really enjoying two balls. I know Lincoln Golf Centre said on Twitter that they will no longer allow four balls, which I think is quite risky in this climate where you need as much green fee revenue as possible. But I think golfers are loving it. They're loving three-hour rounds. I mean, I haven't been round in more than three hours yet in my three goes. So, yeah, it does show you that two balls completely ends the slow play debate and will courses allow two balls only before 10 a.m or will they just completely scrap four balls um it remains to be seen but it's, yeah, it's think, interesting do, to see do you think people are um loving two ball golf so much because it's like oh they couldn't play for so long and now it's like it's like a novelty being back in the game do you think it'll be something that will wear off soon and like people want to start doing three and four balls again or because i haven't played either i haven't played any golf at all so i don't know what it's like to play the two ball three ball four ball, whatever possibly yeah there are always some people that love a relaxed 
four and a half hour four ball round with their mates just on a nice day chilling out and but then there are other people who don't quite have the time they've got a young family or whatever and they can't justify spending five or six hours out there day traveling and playing golf it works I, both ways, I guess. I think, I think the thing that actually this is highlighted is actually there's got to be a choice for people. Give people the option of being able to do whatever they, they want to do. So having times or even days set aside maybe for two-ball golf. You know, you don't have to have everything all the same on every single day of the week. Um, or having times in the mornings where you say, you know, up till midday it's two balls and after that you play four balls or something like that. But I don't think you want to take away the enjoyment of a good four ball. You know, it's about your mates, you know, some, some mates getting together and playing some golf. Um, that still is an important part of golf and I don't think people want to lose it. And I've, as you already mentioned, some golf clubs also need the green fees as well. You know, they've got to be careful. You suddenly take half, you could take half the revenue away if you, if you ban four balls. So, uh, I think the idea here is, and what is shown is that golf clubs should be able to adapt, and hopefully this is maybe given some golf clubs the chance to actually do that now. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a fine balancing act that that's going to be going on around the country, and yeah, it'd be interesting. I think a lot has been learned from this period in golf, especially with the online booking systems. I think they've been fantastic. All the courses have had to install them, which is you know great for. I guess, future-proofing them. What it has meant as well is that three and four balls probably aren't playing back in England just yet on where we stand today on Tuesday. Our club isn't allowing them till Saturday because we're fully booked in two balls up until then. But yeah. um, another complaint as well has been that, as you mentioned there, only half of the slots are filled. So the course has been ridiculously busy. So it'd be nice to open it up to four balls, which should hopefully allow more players to get out on the course. Well, one other thing I've heard that has been a, a kind of a revelation for some people is keeping the flag in, which is something which obviously has been allowed now for a while, but not faffing about with the flag, not taking it out. People say that's actually the thing which has saved the most time. Have you found that, Elliot? Honestly, I haven't really noticed, which is funny because I was not a fan of putting with the flag in at all last year. I think I did it for about one or two rounds and then got fed up with it. Also, our cups are upside down. So like with the guidance, the ball doesn't fully go below the surface. That hasn't really made a difference as well, I don't think. And these are these are things which we would have never found out unless this has happened. So, um, you know, the, the, the devices that some clubs have had, which can people can just pop the golf ball out with your putter. I know a lot of golf clubs have been using those and people absolutely love them. Uh, again, there's something which just gets things going quicker I think so um, I think there's some things we're out of this you know nightmare situation that we've all had to live through that I think there's things especially for golf where actually could be, end up being a positive and great lessons being learned so let's watch that space and watch this space and let us know if you have had anything which has been great and you've enjoyed golf a bit better because of it let us know on our Social media channels at Golf Monthly on Instagram and Twitter and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. And, of course, you can email in as well, golfmonthly at ti-media.com. Something that's terrible is the no rakes. I've seen some people calling <laughs> because a bunker is a hazard. and you know, But, no, it's been horrendous at our club because a lot of our bunkers have, in my opinion, a little bit too much sand in. So it's 
the lies have been really bad and it's been so difficult to rake them smooth with your feet and club. So yeah, bring back the rake. It's a hazard, Elliot. It's a hazard. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. As, as someone who's not the... I'm not the greatest bunker player in the world. You're being <laughs> here. I wonder if this is something that's going to be affect the better player than the worst player, if that makes sense. So, you know, the better player who likes to get a good line in the bunker and can play a nice spinny shot out of it, maybe are getting affected more than from the chopper like myself who just tries to get out. Yeah, That's a very good point. Oh, thank you. Um, the last point I was going to bring up is, obviously, we have already touched on it about the PJ Tour coming back next week. We'll cover a, a proper preview in next week's podcast as well. But it seems like there's going to be some very strong fields in play over in America. We've already said about players trying to get over there, um, having to do the two weeks quarantine. We know of uh, Matt Fitzpatrick. We also know that uh, Rory McIlroy's caddy, Harry Diamond, is currently in quarantine, I think, in one of Rory's outhouses on obviously his huge property, um, trying to get himself cleared to play in uh, or to be able to go to the, the first PGA Tour event. There's lots of stuff that we're going to have to be finding out about the tour and the new events. So all players have got to have three tests before they can even go and play on the practice ground, I think it is, uh, is one of them. Is there anything that you guys are are interested about how they deal with certain situations ahead of coming out of lockdown? It's going to be interesting to see how they stop players kind of interacting because they're not actually supposed to interact with each other. Are they, they're supposed to remain socially distanced while they're playing. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, we ha- like during the match and the driving relief thing, there wasn't really that much enforcement of it. Like they're all kind of like, no, they did the occasional air five and all that kind of stuff, but um, they're still going to have to socially distance. So it's going to be interesting to see how they enforce players not really interacting with each other. Despite the playing same together. with caddies as well. If you, if you see what, yeah, exactly. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do for that. And I wonder yeah. if they're going to enforce it at all. I mean, a lot of this is going to be guidance. Uh, I mean, the, the, obviously, the, the, the joy of it is that it appears that being outside, you've got a much, less, uh, much lower chance, sorry, of, of actually catching the virus or passing the virus on because he doesn't like being out there in the sun. So oof, I know, you know, that's whether that's actually fact, we don't know. But, um, I think it's going to be very tricky for everything and there's going to be some comedy mishaps of people high-fiving and things like that, I have no doubt. And yeah, it's, the caddy and player relationship is, is going to be even more important. Uh, and I wonder if we're going to see maybe players carrying their own bag. I don't know what's exactly going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I'm not sure if they're allowed to. We've heard on the LPGA Tour that they've allowed players to carry their own bags for the remainder of the season. But I don't think... We've heard that on the PGA Tour. I think they'll still be caddies. Yeah, but it will be very uh, strange and yeah, interesting to see in this socially distanced world, players and caddies swapping clubs and talking to each other quite in depth. And I don't really know how that's going to work. And who do we think is the is going to be the players who suddenly embrace this new situation that we're all in? Who who do you think are the ones that are going to you know, play really well. And do you think there's anyone who, who might struggle? I think Rory may struggle because he was on such good form and now coming back to playing tournament golf, I may be the only one on this hill. But well, to be honest, 
I'm not expecting the, any player to play really well, to be honest, because it's like it takes you a little bit of time. It's like with any sport. If you don't have, if you don't play it for ages and then you go straight back into competition, you're just not quite on it as much. So I'm not expecting that many players to play really well. But um, yeah, I think you've gone out on a limb, Sam, saying that Rory's going to start chopping it. I didn't say that. I didn't say you'd chop it. I'm just saying he was on such a high before uh, the the lockdown was enforced and everything that he's inevitably and because he's always going to have the stigma, not stigma, but the pressure of being world number one and the favourite because he is the favourite uh, next week and he's going to be the favourite for a lot of tournaments this year. It's just going to be more difficult for to to appease those people kind of thing and appease that pressure. So that's why I think, um, again, I'm probably the only one on this hill, but... <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think your point is that there's a lot of people who are in great form, obviously, before lockdown happened, and the chances are that they're not going to be in that great form anymore, and Rory could be one of those people. I mean, I think Rory will still play well. Um, but there's, up, you know, there's also some other players who were not playing very well at all just before lockdown. I'm thinking of people like Francesco Molinari and maybe even Ricky Fowler as well who have actually now had a few weeks off, uh, obviously, well, a few months off, and I'm sure have been working on their game where they can, and actually may now have a chance to reignite their, their season, where it looked like they were having a pretty poor season. Yeah, uh, Brooks Kepka as well. I think he was runner-up to Justin Rose at Colonial a couple of years ago. So Rose as well, another guy. Both of those guys are not in great form. Well, pre-lockdown, they weren't in great form. So it'd be interesting to see how they get on as well. Yeah, and it's funny you say Kepka as well because obviously he had he was coming back from his injury as well, and a lot of these guys who were slightly injured or coming back from injury have now had chance to recover. Again, you know, giving them massive chances now to have a huge season ahead of the three majors that we're going to see this year. Also, we've not heard anything from Tiger Woods. So, I mean, it's unlikely that he'll play, but he has not said that he's not playing yet, and. He looked like he was playing very well in that match a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, speaking, about, speaking about possible favourite stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the kind of... You've got the top tier guys. I wouldn't be surprised if you get players who are like ranked 30 to 50 in the world. Do they play really well because they haven't really got... If they are paired with McElroy or a Brooks, they haven't got the pressure of or the crowd, the massive crowds that always come with those players... I wouldn't be surprised if you get players like, off the top of my head, somebody like Kevin Nahr, who is the defending champion, play out of his mind that week because he hasn't got to deal with everything else that comes with playing with the top, top guys, if you see what I mean. So I wouldn't be surprised if players like that play really well. Um, so you, you heard it here first. Rory's going to miss the cut and Kevin Nahr's going to win. <laughs> so I, like, I like your thinking there, especially about the, the, with no crowd... Maybe slightly less pressure, but um, I think that's that's fair point, isn't it? But we'll cover everything on the PJ Tour a bit more next week, and we're obviously very excited about pro golf potentially being back on our TV screens. If everything's okay over in America, because they're dealing with an awful lot of stuff at the moment, uh, for, with an awful lot of different things. So we'll wait and see. But we're going to leave it there for now. So thanks again, uh, Elliot and Sam, for joining me this week. Um, good luck. Uh, in your golfing, Elliot. See if you can break your your duck, your post-lockdown duck. And um, I'll give a full rundown of what happens with my opening tee shots on Friday. Um, (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Tom. Don't go right. Yes, thank you. Thank (laughs) you for that great advice. I'll be honest with you, I'll I'll be quite happy just to make contact.
So until next week, guys, stay stay safe. Keep up to date with us and everything in the world of golf by uh, checking out the Golf Monthly website and all the social media channels. But until next week, we will speak to you then. Bye.